when I get together with God's wonderful people. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. What a sight just to see all the happy faces praising God in heavenly places. What a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Oh, what joy His love
such a it's so wonderful and you you get up here and you look around and you just see the saints worshiping i tell you it really touches me are you glad to be here this evening amen how many enjoyed the service this morning i was just like sitting right there at, at a at a big uh barbecue and just picking it right straight up off the barbie and eating it just fresh i i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that amen give the lord a hand clap of praise this evening I just had this this song on my heart this evening. I was uh, thinking about this. Just a little while is all we've got to worry about. You know, I think uh, I was sitting there this morning at home and I was watching that, that sunrise come up and drinking my coffee and just kind of meditating. And, and I just thought to myself what it would be like if while I'm sitting here and I go to take a drink of that coffee, my body's changed instantly right there. And we go into that eternal sunrise. You know, when, when my mind finally realizes in my body that it's over. No more sickness, no more pain, no more struggling to get up off the floor when I get down. You know, Brother Mark, I'm looking forward to that new body. I don't know about you. Just a little while. Amen. Let's sing it. Just a little 
tell you, I'm looking forward to that. When that, that verse there that says that we'll meet our loved ones again. Brother Jaron, I got a daddy over there. I've got a grandmother over there and a grandfather. I'm looking forward to seeing them again. I just, I'm just so, I just get so excited. I can't imagine what it will be like. What heaven will truly be like. What will it be when we get over yonder? Oh, just think about it. And join the throng upon the gladness he sees. Yes, Lord. Sister Jane Munch, who was uh, sick and not feeling well. 
I want to continue to remember Sister Rachel, Rachel Pritchard's grandmother. She's not doing well up in Northeast Ohio. Also continue to remember uh, Sister Joanne uh, Shong. She had fallen again, so remember her. We want to continue to remember Brother and uh, Sister Smith. Um, continue to remember Sister Becky as well. And uh, just ask you to continue to remember my wife and, and uh, mother as well as they're still fighting through a lot of this sickness. It's good to have them with us this evening. Amen. I know there's many unspoken requests among us. We're certainly a needy people. And as we get closer to the time, it's like it, gets, it just gets harder and harder. You know, we get hit harder and harder. And uh, the enemy is definitely in full force. So pray for each other as well. Amen. Brother Chris, if you would. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity that we have to gather in your house. Lord, to fellowship one with another, to hear your word, and to learn more about you, Father. Lord, we've had many needs that have been brought before the body tonight, those that are traveling, those that are sick, Lord, many other needs. We just ask that you would be with each one of them, Father. Lord, be our Jehovah Jireh, our our provider. Give each one peace, and Lord, we just ask that your will would be done in each of their lives, Father. Lord, we want to remember our, our main purpose for being here tonight, and that's to draw closer to you. Lord, we ask that you'd be with our pastor tonight as he brings forth the word. Lord, just... Be a lamp unto our feet and, and guide us one more step along our journey, Father. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris. God bless you, saints. You can be seated. Um, Brother Matt's going to give us a special at this time.
here. That harmony was very blessing. Let's all stand and we'll have our ushers come at this time.
Brother Mike, if you would bless the offering. Amen. As Brother Barry comes, let's sing that song. Uh, he knows my name. I have a maker. Just before he come, I just wanted to just say that I certainly appreciate the sacrifice that our pastor has has put out there. Uh, I was just thinking about this just this week alone, how he's dealt with sickness, both himself and his his wife and his household, and. There was numerous calls and texts to me checking on how we were doing. I know to others. He's traveled two hours one way for multiple services, has prayed and labored over three masterpieces to bring to his flock. We're truly blessed, saints. And I I just want you to know, Brother Barry, I truly appreciate you very much. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing this song. I have a maker. He for my heart. Before even time began, my life was in His hand. comes like a new book over and over again because we see so many things we never saw. And now, Lord, I pray you take this word tonight. Lord, bless the reading of the word and Father, may it come and bring the interpretation. Lord, we reserve this time and place for you and ask that you would move among us. Be the healer for those who need it, we pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take your Bibles, if you will. And let's just jump right in. Jeremy, turn me up just a shade. I don't have much voice left uh, for me. 
And let's go to Psalm 43. Psalm 43. Thank you, musicians. Thank you for words. And thank you all for being here tonight. I'm going to jump right in, okay? Is that all right? Thanks. Sister Sarah, good to have you with us tonight. God bless you. Trust you're feeling better. We want to remember all the folks that are not well. Sister Joanne Ashong, Sister Becky, uh, Hans Florian, Brother Parks, uh, so many that are hurting and suffering, and uh, we want to remember them. Psalm 43, verse 3. O send out thy light and thy truth, and let them lead me. Send out thy light and thy truth, and let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. And then will I go unto the altar of God, unto my God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. All right, let me, uh, let me just say here at the outset, and uh, I know some of you, uh, let me just say at the outset here, <clears throat> that uh, if you don't mind uh, remembering me in prayer over this week, um, Lord willing, I will be traveling to Budapest, Hungary uh, on Wednesday. And uh, between now and Easter, we have a, a, a pretty full schedule. I, I have a pretty full schedule, but uh, I'll be here most of that time, but I have a couple of trips that I'll, I'll be taking between now and Easter. And uh, this week, my wife and I were planning to go to Hungary. Lord willing, I will go on Wednesday, and I'll arrive just in time for the meetings over there to start. And I'll start on Friday and go through till Sunday. Then I get back on the plane and come back, and I'll be back here on Monday. Uh, Brother Matt Watkins is preaching, the real Matt Watkins, not the imposter who was here last time, but the real Matt Watkins will be here. And uh, he'll, he'll take service on Sunday. We will have service on Wednesday night as well. I don't, uh, I don't enjoy being away. And I, I've said that many times. And I want you to understand what I say. That uh, these are people who have invited me for years to come over in that part of the world. And the pastor there in Hungary is Brother Zalish's grandson. Brother Zalish is the pastor who lives in Czech Republic. The violin player. And uh, he, his grandson has been after me to come there for many years. There's only about 150 believers in all of Hungary. And a lot of the people who are going to come to this meeting are come from all over Europe. They've overflowed their building. They wanna, uh, they're trying to see if they can get another facility because they're overflowed there. And they don't have facilities like we have. It's like going back in time. And so uh, I just felt led to uh, go and minister to them. And uh, they're a wonderful group of people, very sincere, very dedicated. They lived a very hard life, grew up under communist regimes, and still have leftovers from these communist regimes. And uh, so if you don't mind uh, remembering that need in prayer and uh, and for all the, the traveling that goes on uh, for this particular meeting. So this, this is the kind of thing where you have a meeting, you arrive right before, leave right after, and uh, get back as quick as I can. So uh, that's, uh, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the ministry to travel. I'm in the ministry to minister. You're my primary uh, audience and my favorite audience. I don't know if that makes you feel good or not, but, uh, but sometimes the Lord 
calls upon us to, to be used in different places, different times. And uh, I can tell you, if it's any consolation, I'm turning away more than I can, more than I can handle and uh, just trying to balance these things out. So we'd appreciate your prayers in doing that. All right, <clears throat> we're going to title this this evening, The Present Truth, and we're going to be dealing with uh, biblical responses to modern-day controversies. Uh, this is not anything new, but I found that uh, in myself that there was a, an awful lot more here that I could bring, and uh, I'll try to uh, do what I can and jump right in. I normally speak in 150 words a minute, uh, but sometimes I gust to about 260, uh, so forgive me tonight if I gust. And what we want to do is just jump right in and give you, uh, if I can, to give you three principles uh, that we should keep in mind when dealing with controversies. And the controversies that I'm referring to are the controversies where people dispute the validity of this message. They dilute, the, they, they debate uh, the accuracy of Scripture, and uh, people who contend with the authority uh, of a prophet and this message. And uh, my job here tonight is not to name names and, and call out people individually. Uh, my aim really is to help you to become solid because you're going to need what I'm talking about tonight in order to withstand the winds that are going to blow against you. And this is, uh, this is really quite an important subject and more than you'll appreciate this teaching and this training as we go forward because you're going to uh, run into uh, controversies and questions, and you're going to be confronted with uh, people who do not believe like you do. Uh, they're outside uh, the boundaries of what we call the message or the message community, and you're going to be questioned. And as a result of that, the best answer you can give is an answer that's true, and that is the Word of God. So we need to know how we, how we deal with controversies in this fashion. All right, so let's just wade into it tonight and see how far we get. The first principle that we need to uh, establish, and when you have a, uh, a, con- a conversation with anybody, you need to have some sort of an absolute or something we're going to argue from, we're going to debate from, or we're going to discuss this topic from this point of view. And that is that the Bible is true. Okay? And God clearly established an absolute in our time so that we would have a basis for all discussion. If you don't believe the Bible, then we can't really quote from the Bible and say, well, you know, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. If a person doesn't believe that, they'd say, so what? I, I, read, I, read, the book, I read the Koran, and I, I believe there are parts of that that are okay. Well, it's very difficult to have a sensible conversation uh, when, it, when, it, when you have two different absolutes. In our country, we, the best example always is the Supreme Court, uh, which is a defender of the Constitution. And the Constitution is the document that is an absolute in terms of how our democracy is run. The Supreme Court exists to defend uh, and, and approve or disprove, disapprove laws uh, in relation to the Constitution. So that's always their reference point. Everybody clear? So that's what an absolute is. Now I know it's Sunday night, but help me out here and, uh, and uh, amen what you believe to be true. Brother Branham says, Father, we're here and we're happy as the disciples, as the disciples to carry out, carry, why don't I read it right? Father, we're here and we, we're happy as the disciples to carry the reproach of your name. And then he quotes the scripture in the way that's called heresy, so worship I the God of our fathers. The way that's evil spoken of, called heresy, insanity, crazy, 
neurotic? Truly, Satan's got his man on the job, but I'm thankful you got yours also. And we're glad to be on your side tonight, believing all things. And we're glad that you're with us, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. Brother Bram's quoting Acts chapter 24. And they neither found me, Paul writes, in the temple. He's he's giving his testimony uh, in front of the uh, rulers of that day. And he said, they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. And neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. There are accusations. And you know what? There always will be false claims. But Paul says they can't prove a thing. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Hey, listen, Paul is worshiping Jesus Christ, who now, in a sense, has done away with, in their view, not in Paul's view, not in our view, but in their view, has swept the law aside. He has taken the law of Moses and swept it aside and made it of none effect. That's what they say. And now they put a man, Jesus, in front, of, uh, in front of us now instead of the law. And now he can be justified by faith. You don't have to bring any sacrifices to the altar. You don't have to bring any offerings to church. All the many, 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 many changes that now are, r- r- are running through uh, the church. And not only that, but Paul has uh, categorically, in Acts chapter 13, taken the, the gospel away from the Jews and given it to the Gentiles. He said, hello, I turn to the Gentiles. And so the Jews not only see their law displaced in their mind, but they also are hearing this Paul say, it ain't even yours anymore. It belongs to the Gentiles. And to them, Gentiles are the, I mean, they're the offscouring. They're the ones that don't count. And now Paul is saying all of these things and uh, he says, hey, I confess. The way that they, they, would, they would refer to this as heresy, that's exactly right. That's the way I worship. And you know what? Paul says, uh, I'm not ashamed of that at all. Let me tell you something. There will always be, there will always be controversies. And I'm not here tonight to try to outsmart or out-argue anybody, uh, because that'll only last until somebody's a better arguer will come along and out-argue me. That's not what I'm here. And that's not how we're convinced, is by argument. I believe that this is God's message. I believe the message that God sent in the last day through a prophet is God's message. And I believe the word of the hour is true. And I believe also, therefore, that God is big enough to defend his own word. Is that all right? I mean, when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, when the prophets were there offering their offerings all day long, you know, and uh, Elijah said, hey, maybe God's out having lunch or something. You know, maybe he's not, maybe he's busy. He's doing something else. Hey, this is not, it wasn't Elijah's message and it wasn't their message. It was God's. So if God's not showing up, you know what? There's a problem somewhere. And we got to figure out who's got the problem, right? But God is big enough to defend his own word. Brother Bram said he's responsible for his word. No matter how far we go, and no matter where this takes us, there will always be opposition. As long as Satan exists, there will be opposition to God's word. And sometimes it takes either a display of fire like on Mount Carmel, when God sent the fire and, and proved which offering was uh, the correct one, which was given by Elijah. Sometimes it takes a display of fire for God to prove who's right. Or sometimes it takes the rain, like in the days of Noah. You understand the difference? 
in the days of Elijah, when he offered the offering on the altar and God sent the fire down, uh, it was a definite proof. And then they went on in, they went on in correction after that. They went on then and, and they realized, okay, Jehovah is really, uh, he's really God. Not Baal, but Jehovah is really God. But when it came down to Noah's day, once it rained, you know what, bud? It was too late. And if you're going to bet the farm that this message is not right, you're going to have to one day look up in the sky and feel the judgment of God coming. And I'm not threatening anybody. I'm just saying this, that I believe that there are times when God will correct things and then let the people go on in repentance and and making the necessary adjustments they need to make. And you know what? That's God's mercy to us. But there is a point in time when God's going to shut it down. And then the the door of the ark is closed and nobody else can get in. So if you're going to bet the farm on anything, you make sure you bet the, your, the farm that I'm not a betting man, I'm just using the expression. You better make sure that you're putting your money on the right side. Right. Is that okay? Yeah. You understand my drift, okay? Just trying to conserve time here. So Brother Branham said, well, it must be according to his word that has been spoken. Anything must be according to his word that must be spoken. It must. I don't care how well you say this ought to be or that ought to be. It's got to be according to his word. It's got to be. Your, your opinion doesn't matter. Our thoughts doesn't matter. My son's marriage situation doesn't matter. Right? In other words, there are people that say, well, you know, I don't think marriage and divorce is fair. Or I don't think that, you know, this, I, I feel like I'm being treated unjustly. You know what? It's got to be according to the word. And that's it. It's got to be according to his word, according to his time, and according to his season. So Peter says uh, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Sometimes there are debates that, that, uh, that arise or controversies that arise, and sometimes they shake you up. And they can shake you up quite dramatically. And Brother Branham said, I kind of like it when people question me because it drives me back into the Word and I can study and make sure I know those things that are correct according to the Bible. So sometimes controversy or debate or questions is not always a bad thing because there's a lot of things that we naturally take for granted uh, because you know what? You go to the same church all the time, you hear the same preacher, you hear the same message, and there's a lot of things you think, well, I mean, that's just the way it is. And I believe that I believe the, the things that my pastor says because my pastor says it. And he says it with such a red face. You know what? You're going to have to have more than that as we go further. Because when you get out into a university setting or you get out into some situations where, uh, you know, you can, you can be called into question because of your values and beliefs, you're going to have to have an answer for the hope that lies within you. In Arizona, there's a move on. Somebody sent me the article. I don't remember who sent it to me, but out in Arizona, uh, there is a move underfoot to not hire teachers that hold Christian values. Because so the state system does not want to hire teachers who hold or profess Christian values because, you know what, that could be risky. That might spread. They might influence somebody. Now, if you're a transgender, you can get in there. And no problem. Nobody's gonna, <laughs> nobody's gonna refuse you a job, right? For that reason. But if you're a Christian, you're dangerous. And that move is underfoot. Now I'll tell you, that's only a beginning. That's not a problem. That's a symptom of a problem. Okay? That's a nation that's turned its back on God and disregarded the Bible. And so therefore, you people who are in, uh, in the workforce, in the, in the workplace, you're in the schools, you're in the uh, communities where these things are talked about, and they're not talked about like they're talked about here. 
They don't talk about the Bible like we talk about it here. You're going to have, an, have to have an answer for the reason uh, of the hope that lies within you. And your children are going to need to defend themselves in their faith, uh, at least in an elementary way. And this is what this is about. So Peter says that we need to give diligence. This is not just something that we think about occasionally, but we have to be uh, diligent about making our calling and election sure. And if you do these things, you'll never fall. So let's, let's turn that around. If you don't do these things, guess what? For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So I want you to be established in the present truth, but I'm not afraid to push every now and then uh, just to make sure that you guys are solid. You want, you want to be sure you're solid. You want to be sure that what you believe is right. And you want to be sure that you're not just uh, assuming that, you know, it's going to be okay. Everybody's going to, they're going to give me a pass because I'm in the message. Uh, those days are coming to a close. I'll guarantee you that. So remember this. And Brother Bam says, and greater than Solomon is here. Do you believe that he would have anything to do with a hypocrite? No, sir. Do you believe he'd associate himself with lies? Not our God. No. But our God is responsible for his word. So you know what? That applies for me and you. But that also applies to Brother Branham as well. If Brother Branham was telling a lie, if Brother Branham was making up stories, if Brother Branham was faking things or whatever else, you know what? God wouldn't honor that. You wouldn't see the multitude of healings and miracles and supernatural things that, are, that, that took place in his ministry. You wouldn't see that because God does not honor a liar. God does not honor a hypocrite. God does not honor things that are done incorrectly here. God is responsible to his word. And God didn't owe Brother Branham anything. God did not say, well, you know, you served me all these years, 40 years, so uh, whatever you do now is fine. God never said that to him. God doesn't say that to me, and God doesn't say it to you. So God is responsible. God will respect his word. God will honor his word. And he does not respect a lie or hypocrisy or anything related to that. Uh, God's not going to honor that. Okay? So we know that that's true. In Philippians chapter 6, though, Paul said, because uh, even though God's going to defend his word, uh, we, are, we, are people, we are a people who are defenders of that word. In other words, uh, we are people who have a response to accusations uh, that are made about, uh, about the truth. But Paul said it this way, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. So Jesus knew that people would be uh, questioned because he sent them out. He sent them out into the world. And the commission includes being sent out uh, into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize, heal the sick, and do all those things that are included in the, uh, in the commission. But we also, uh, in doing that, we, we sometimes are called upon to defend the faith and to, uh, to, to give evidence that the faith is actually true, that is actually right. And that word defense there, it is the word apologia, and it means that you would give a verbal defense, speech in defense, a reason statement or an argument. It doesn't mean that you burn down somebody's church. It doesn't mean that you beat somebody else up if they have a better argument than you. It doesn't mean that at all. You're not trying to be a smart aleck. You're just trying to say, hey, let's talk on the basis of the word, and let's go back to that. And when you, when, you, when you travel through the word in a reasonable way, you're actually doing the work of an apolog, apologet, apologist. 
you're doing this defense that Paul is talking about. We find it in lots of other places in 1 Peter chapter 3. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So our young girls, you know, they'd be in school or be in a setting somewhere where, like these young girls up front here, uh, and someone may ask them, well, why don't you girls cut your hair? Do you want me to ask you girls why you don't cut your hair? What Bible verses are you basing that on? That is, that is a question that they could be asked. You young people could be asked the same type of a question. And you can just, you can just fall back on, well, Brother Branham said, uh, all right, who's Brother Branham? Now we have a second question that you've got to answer, right? Because a lot of people don't, not, not only do they not know about Brother Branham, but they don't know why you would even fall back on something he said. Isn't there something in the Bible about that? Yeah, there is something about it. And we should be able to give elementary answers to elementary questions. And a lot of that is talked about in Sunday school. A lot of it's talked, it should be talked about at home uh, with parents there so we can have a reason for the hope that lies within us. That's the reasonable, apologetic thing that Paul is talking about. Because he says, Paul writes, that some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. So we all run into different kinds of uh, churches and preachers. And I'll guarantee you, uh, there are some churches that go by the name of Christian churches and even some that go by the name of the message uh, that I would not want to be associated with. I'll tell you flat out. And I know them. And I know some of those uh, individuals and ministers. And I hear about uh, some of the other ones. And that's why I'm very careful about even where I go. If somebody invites me to go, uh, I don't go just because it's an invitation. Uh, I want to know those people who I'm going to. Or if somebody comes to minister here, I don't want to expose you to the wrong thing. Because there's a lot of power that comes from the pulpit and the words over the pulpit. So I want to be sure that somebody's true blue. They're on the word. And I got to know them or I got to know somebody real well who knows them before they'll come here and minister the word. And that's very important. And it's also very important for me to make sure that I go in an environment where, uh, where truth is upheld. Because there are people who are out there uh, who are uh, preaching and have established churches on the basis of strife. We don't like that preacher. So we're going to start our own church over here. And basically what we're going to do is preach against that church all the time. You're better off not going there. Or in our church here, we, we believe in polygamy, and it's all right to have two wives. And don't say it doesn't happen, it does. Um, I will tell you what, you're better off not going there. And they have their own, they have their own reasons for, uh, for the, the things that they believe, and they have their own uh, hang-ups and all the rest of it there. And Paul says that this happens. We can't, we can't deny that it does happen. It does happen. There are people that preach that medicine and doctors are evil. They're no good. Shouldn't have anything to do with them. And uh, those are the congregations that generally hold a lot of funerals. And I will tell you what, there needs to be a balance on those things. Right? Because here you got a prophet on one side who's praying for the doctors in his city and praying that doctors will come up with, uh, you know, vaccinations for diseases and so forth. And then turn around and say, well, we're in a message church and we don't believe in doctors and medicines. We got to disconnect. And I will tell you something very clearly. Scripture doesn't fight Scripture. 
So our beliefs arise from facts, things that we know. For instance, uh, the Bible says about a, a, a bishop or a pastor, he has to be the husband of one wife. That's a fact. And you know what? That's not up for debate because it's stated pretty clearly, right? We also have personal experiences, and these are things that are, uh, that are very important uh, because, you know, your meeting with God, your encounter with God, your new birth, if you claim to be born again, you should have a story to tell. This is what I went through. This is when, I, this is when God got a hold of my heart. This is when God turned me around. This is when I knew I was lost without him. And we should have a story to tell. And those personal experiences are very, uh, very powerful. The third thing we have is experiences of others we trust. Everybody say squirrels. Squirrels. Everybody say it. It's not hard. Squirrels. I wasn't there when Brother Branham spoke squirrels into existence. I heard Sister Rebecca tell what Brother Branham told about that event. And then she also said we, we, we cooked him and ate him because that's why Brother Branham wanted him in the first place. He said, I'm trying to feed my family. <laughs> And uh, so there are, there are things that we did not see and we had no personal contact with at all, but we believe them nonetheless because of the person who tells us those things. Okay? And then the other way is by revelation. We know things and we believe things because of revelation. Revelation trumps everything else, right? Because when it's a true revelation from God, number one, you're going to know that it dovetails with Scripture, right? So God's not going to give you a revelation not to go to church. And God's not going to give you a revelation to marry a second wife. Right? That's how we know whether it comes from God or not, if it, if it dovetails with his word. But if you have a revelation that God sent a prophet, uh, and you should have, everyone, everyone should have, and if you don't have, Brother Bram said, pray for revelation above everything else. Pray for revelation, because that's the thing that helps you be solid. And when a person really has a revelation, they can stand by faith on that revelation, and nothing's going to knock them off. Brother Bram says you don't know God by intellectual conception. You can know about God, but you don't know God. He says you know God by faith. And the only way you know how to believe God, uh, you can't explain it. No one can. It's not for you to. God is without finding out by explanation. God is without finding out by explanation. You've got to believe him. It wouldn't be a faith no more. So in other words, let's look at it this way. If you go horizontal, you can search all you want horizontally, and you'll never really find out completely about God. You can know about God. You can Google things about God. You can Google things about Brother Branham. But you know what? You're going this way. And that's what you're doing. You're going horizontal. And you can f- try to figure out how many people fell off that bridge. You can fig- try to figure out what the Ku Klux Klan was about in 1920 or so in that era. You can, you can all, you know, all these kinds of things. You can go this way and, and learn all you can. But that's not the same as a revelation. Revelation comes this way. You can't Google a revelation. God is the author of revelation. God is the giver of revelation. He's the one that sends revelation. And so if you need a revelation on something, and that's not something you can probe into and find yourself, you've got to ask God for that. Lord, give me a solid revelation of this message. Give me a, a revelation of my absolute. Give me a revelation that uh, you know this message is true. And we should have those things so they're solid, and they become unshakable in our lives. Is that all right? John chapter 10, Jesus answered them and said, I told you, you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. I told you and you believe not. Hey, this is Jesus. These are words in red. I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep. How would you like him for a pastor? As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You're going to be following someone. We're all following someone. And you say, well, I don't follow anyone. Well, you're following yourself. Everyone follows something. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So God puts in them an ability to be able to hear the voice of God and the word of God. And they acknowledge that somehow or another, they know that that's right. And that word does not come this way. It comes this way. Are we all right? It comes vertically. It comes from God. So Brother Branham says in the absolute how the enemy in every way that he can, in every way that he can, will try to get you away from that absolute. That's the enemy's job. He's trying to get you in every way he can. Every way. That's through friends. That's through busyness. That's through uh, media. That's through uh, you know, false teaching. In every way he can, he will try to get you away from that absolute. How the Christian world this morning needs that type of absolute. And those who treat creeds and traditions has tried with doctrine of men to disqualify God's word of, to being the same yesterday, today, and forever. You look at what's happening to the Southern Baptist Convention now. And I, I don't follow it closely, but I hear the headlines, you know. And, uh, you know, they, they, they had this huge rift uh, come through there several years ago where they were saying, well, we need to be politically on this side of the fence uh, to be conservative and hold with the old Republican values and so forth so we can uphold some of our old traditions. S- the other side said, well, we need to be more liberal in order to get the young people and uh, you know, open our, open our ranks a little bit and allow a little bit more of this and this because we want to attract the younger generation because a lot of our people are old white-haired folks over here, so we want to uh, you know, broaden this. The only way we're going to do it is open up, relax the standards a little bit and become a little bit more progressive and liberal and so forth. And these people are saying, over here, uh, we need to do this. So you know what? They open up their ranks a little bit. Now you know what they're doing? You know what they're spending their money on now? Anybody know what the Southern Baptist Convention is spending their money on now? Lawyers. Lawyers who are defending them within their ranks because they became liberal. You know what they needed? They needed a standard. They needed an absolute. You research it. Go research it yourself and see what's there. He said, how the Christian world today needs that type of absolute. The moment you begin to uh, relax that stand, the moment you begin to liberalize, the moment that you begin to uh, open up your thought process to the world, Satan is right there uh, to twist that. And those who treat creeds and traditions has tried with doctrine of men, watch, to disqualify God's word being the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the goal that Satan has, is to try in your mind to disqualify the word of God. Maybe it's not right. And you know what he does as well? He tries to disqualify the message in your mind and disqualify the messenger in your mind to try to cause you to doubt that and to say, well, maybe he didn't mean this or maybe that's for another time or you know, maybe we need to open up and be more liberal or maybe that's not true. They need an absolute, an experience of meeting on a Damascus road, the living God who can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. A genuine absolute. And you know what? Not only does the Christian world need it, you and I need it. Because there's going to be controversies. There's going to be things that push against the validity and the accuracy of the message and of the Bible and try to disqualify that. That's what Satan's job is. Remember that. He's always trying to disqualify. This PowerPoint's available so you can have it. Uh, it'll be on the website there with the sermon. 
So an absolute, as we know, it's defined simply as, as the ultimate basis of all thought, free from qualification, condition, exception, or restriction. When something is true, it's not true in most cases. It's true in all cases. It is, it is absolutely without condition. This is the way the law is if this happens, but if that happens, then you know what? We have a different law. That's not how an absolute works. It is final, and it's not liable to modification. And something that does not depend on anything else is beyond and is beyond human control. So <clears throat> generations pass by. The Constitution still holds. And it doesn't depend on people's opinion about the Constitution. It doesn't depend, hey, it's been written, approved. It is a document that uh, forms the basis for laws and governance in, the, in a democracy like the United States. And you know what? You may not agree with it. But you know what? That really doesn't matter. Because it's been adopted as an absolute. Now that's the Constitution. But you know what? There are people that will say, well, I don't need to have a prophet in the last day. Well, you know what? That's too bad. Because the Bible says you're going to get one. And if you reject a prophet, when a prophet comes and God vindicates that prophet, you may not understand everything he said. You may not understand everything that happened in his life. But if God vindicates that ministry to you, you have a responsibility now to respond correctly. you got to respond in some way. you got to accept it or reject it one way or the other. Because if God vindicates that and takes away all doubt that that's my man, you know what? He may not be perfect. And I got news for you. Brother Branham was not. God made him human. You're going to have to take that up with God. God made him human. And he made mistakes. But you know what? God vindicated him as the messenger for this age. And now you've got to deal with that. You've got to respond to that. So that's what an absolute actually is. So, Brother Bam said, don't be influenced by these new fandangles and things that they got today. I don't care how good a man they are, how sincere they are, if they don't speak according to the law and the prophets, the Bible said, there's no life in them. So if it's a man of God, they got to speak according to the law and the prophets. they got to stay with the, with the hewing line. they got to stay with the absolute. That's what God vindicated and told us was absolutely true. So if somebody comes along and says, uh, well, you know what? You don't need to pay your tithes now. And if you do, it's only 5%. It's not right. Seven church ages. Brother Branham said, now that's the way it is when you used to go to dances. And he said, I don't believe you'd go now. Surely not. Everyone who surely said. But if you used to go, they'd play hoop up music and get you in the spirit to dance. It's the spirit of the devil. And you say, well, I don't believe it, brother. Well, it ain't what you say or what I think. It's what God's word says. That settles it. That's the final word. Everybody understand what an absolute is? Okay, so he says, now listen to what I'm telling you now. And he elaborates on that. I've shortened some of these statements here just for time. Listen to what I'm telling you now. And he says, if you've listened to anything I've told you, listen to this. God's put gifts in the church in different ways. And these gifts, if it's a true gift of God, it'll point to one thing. I do not believe in, in, in building the gospel of Jesus Christ around an individual or around a denomination. I believe in building it around Jesus Christ. Over and over and over and over, you'll find Brother Branham pointing to Christ. He says, even if I say something wrong, he said, you stay with that word, stay with Christ. 
He said, I believe in building and glorifying, gathering around Jesus Christ. And all individuals, all men are the same. We're all looking to one Redeemer. That's Jesus Christ. So Brother Manum was a sinner saved by the grace of God, just like you and I, and uh, had, a, had a history, had a past. And if we don't, if we don't hew to this, uh, 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 this, this standard, if we, don't, if we don't, I've shown you that image of the, uh, the plumb bob there. And a plumb bob is really important. It really is important if you're doing something like hanging wallpaper, right? And I've, I've showed you this before. Because if we start hanging wallpaper here and we think, well, it looks pretty straight, we'll go ahead. But we don't check it, but it looks pretty straight. By the time you get there, you're going to be in real trouble. Isn't that right? You've got to have a plumb bob that you measure the straightness by, the, the, the plumb, the perpendicular. And you do that often through the process because you want to make adjustments all the way. Because if it's off there, it's going to be way off by the time it gets over here. And way off by the time it gets over here. So you've got to be constantly measuring. And we're measuring not by Brother Barry or we're not measuring by HBT. We're measuring by the Word all the time. That's my plumb. Lord, help me line up to that. And if I'm off, help me adjust and adjust now. Because if not, if not, you're going to be a, you're going to be believer in yoism. Yoism. Yoism is a generic term for an open source religion. You didn't think I was going to say anything about yoism. You thought I was going to talk about eagles and prophets and seals and everything else. You're going to be a yoist. A yoist is somebody who believes in an open source religion. Now, if you have a diet app on your phone, and who doesn't? Many times the diet app is crowdsourced. Meaning that if you want to figure out what the calories, some of you are laughing, see, you're guilty. I, I have one too, so don't worry. And you can figure out how many calories in it are in an avocado, how many calories are in uh, bread that comes from Panera bread, or how, you know, whatever. And, and, and the crowd, the people who use the app, source that information to the app. So someone's, someone's contributed a piece of information. That becomes a part of the database. Right? You, got, you guys that are geeks, you, or, uh, you guys that are computer people, you know what I'm saying. The, the information that's in the database very often is sourced, comes from people who are using the app. So they, they put things in there. If you're a Yoist... Your belief system is based on a communal belief system based on rational inquiry, science, and the sense of authority emerges from the group via consensus. You know what? If we think it's, it, we should love everyone, no matter what, we should love everyone, they put that in there, and that becomes, that becomes a part of the law of that particular church. That becomes a way. And if somebody adds something else and say, well, it's okay for a woman, not, a woman to have her hair cut as long as it's neat and comes to church, that's okay. We're going to add that in there. So whatever people want to add onto the program, that becomes this open source religion. And this is, a, again, it's a general term. And uh, it's a, a development of a system belief that, that is in constant flux. It's constantly changing because of the people who are uh, using the, the, the religion itself. So if we want to change after a while and say, well, all ministers should be male. I mean, that's we put that in the, in the database. Well, you know, then after a while people start to say, well, why couldn't we have a female pastor? Okay, we'll put that in there. And that becomes a part of the body of belief. And then we say, well, how, why couldn't we have a woman who's married to a woman? All right, let's put that in the database. 
Now see what, see what we're doing? We're getting farther and farther away from any absolute because there is no absolute. This thing is adrift. It's going to go wherever the wind blows and whatever the fancy of the people is. Guess where people are getting a lot of their information? From TV, social media, and what everybody else is doing. They're not getting it from the Bible. Because as soon as you start entering Bible verses in there, they're like, hey, whoa, whoa, what are you, a legalist or something? You can say, no, I'm an eagleist. <laughs> All right, so let's do an example. And here's the example. You didn't think I was going to do that. I got everyone's attention. Huh. All right, let's look at an example of a yoist, okay? Here we go. On the, on the veggie tales, there is a sound tradition. Every program, they would say, remember kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. That's how the old VeggieTales was. Now let's go back and read from the beginning. When the show aired on NBC Network Television in September 2006, VeggieTales episodes were edited to remove most references to God by NBC's Standards and Practices Department. Notable was the removal of the program's signature sign-off, which said, remember kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. Despite the fact now that Bob and Larry still say goodbye at the end. That's a little bit different. To just say goodbye rather than remember kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. Christian conservative watch group, Parents Television Council, what a waste of time, complained about the removal. And NBC replied, this was their reply, the editing conformed to the network standards. In other words, we have a standard. Where did you get that? We made it up. Who made it up? The people who put information in the app. You understand what I'm saying? This is sourced by someone who has an idea about what they want to be identified with and what they want to have on air and whether we want to be Bible sort of based or we want to be do our own thing. We want to please advertisers so we'll have gay commercials and everything else. So we're just, this is all, after all, it's really just about the money. It's not about the kids after all. It's about the money. Who sponsors, right? Where does the revenue come from? It doesn't come from the little kids. It comes from the sponsors. So NBC edited, uh, the, the, uh, the, the NBC replied, the editing conformed to the network standards. Now, so there's one standard over here, there's another one over here. They, they said, to not advocate any one religious point of view. NBC wished to remain religiously neutral and said, VeggieTales is religious, NBC is not. So what you have is an example here of two so-called absolutes. NBC has a standard. This is the way we see it. This is the way we want to have it done. And this parents' television council has another one over here, and they have a standard over here. And you know what? you got two points of view because they're not adopting the true absolute. And you know what you have when you don't have that? Confusion. And now you have what you have on television and media and all the rest of it here because they feel like, oh, well, if it's not religious, we're okay. We can have any kind of lust, adultery, murder, fornication, bank robberies, drugs. We can have all of that, massacres. We can have killings. Uh, we can have any kind of gore or any kind of filth on the program at all, but it's not religious. But all this is in the app, so it's okay. But religion's not. So, oh, that's religious. Take it out. And they can't even say, remember kids, God made you special and he loves you. To me, that's not an inflammatory religious doctrine. It's just nice. 
But that's not what they're in the business to do. So in other words, you understand, you have, all of a sudden you have one absolute and another absolute. And you know what? We're going to go by what we want to go by because we don't care. We don't care about the Bible. We don't care about what it says. And we're going to go our way. That's the world that we live in. People who have uh, issues with the message and with Brother Branham, uh, many of them say, well, I don't believe it that way. That's the way I see it. And you know what they've done? They've taken another absolute. They've adopted another absolute. They've adopted another authority. Now look, I personally know and spent many, uh, many hours with the people who have written many of these websites, uh, you know, Believe the Sign and different ones. I know those fellows. I was uh, associated with them, you know, when they were following the message and so forth. I know who they are. I know their expertise in doing that. And I know their histories and so forth. And I know, I know a little bit about the lives that they live. And uh, you'd probably be shocked that some people have such a self-righteous attitude about cutting down the message and cutting down Brother Branham. And if I told you some of the things that I know, and there's a whole bunch of things that I'm sure I don't, uh, about how they live, you think, okay, uh, you want me to be like you? You want me to follow you? And you want me to live that way? Some of you know who I'm talking about. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a very arrogant, prou- proud attitude that people will take. I'm here to tell God what God needs to say. God didn't need to send this message. After all, uh, he should have consulted with me first. That's what their attitude is. The second thing I want to tell you, so number one, we need to have an absolute. Number two, prophets don't know everything. Is that okay? They don't know everything. They, didn't, they don't get told everything. They're human just like us, and they are told things by God that God wants them to know and convey. I can't make him show me anything, Brother Bram says. He doesn't show me according to my desire. He shows me according to what his will is. There's been many times, many things that I have prayed for. Lord, will you just tell me how it will come out so I can comfort the people? And he'll never say a word to me about it. Turn around and tell me something else. He tells me what he wants me to know. He's my father and what he wants me to know. He tells me, ain't none of my business. That's his business. That shows it doesn't lay in man. It's in God. So Brother Branham was subject to, he was subject to God all the time, subject to whatever God decides to show. Brother Branham says in Blind Bartimaeus, the the Shunammite woman who built a little house for Elijah on the side of her house, remember that story? Right? And she prayed for a son. God gave her a son. Right? Remember that? And he died. So she said, all is well. When, when, When the prophet saw her coming, and this is unusual, but she's beaten a path to, to try to catch up with Elijah. And, and he says, ah, oh, sister, how's things going? She says, all is well. And the baby was dead, and her husband was frantic. And she says, all is well. She knew God was in his servant, the prophet. She knew she could hear from God, and she wanted to know why her baby had been taken. So she runs right up to Elijah, and he looks at her, and he says, her heart is full of gloom, and God's hid it from me. Read it in the scripture. He tells, he tells his servant, hey, something's going on. I don't know about it. God's never told me. Has he told you? He hasn't told me at all. So he's in the dark about this. You know there's, there's a wonderful thing. God don't tell his prophets everything. He just tells them what he wants them to know. Not everything. Can I go a little farther? They, the prophets, can't do anything in themselves. Just what God shows them. That's what they do. Could you imagine Isaac sitting there blind and blessing Jacob instead of Esau? Could you imagine Jacob holding Joseph's coat for 40 years bloody, thinking that an animal killed him, and he being a prophet? 
Here's Jacob holding on to that garment covered in blood for 40 years and doesn't know that his son is alive. Proves that God reveals to his prophets what, what he wants them to know. Nothing else. Prophets are not infallible people. Prophets are not angels. They are men. Here's a man who's not trying to take uh, an infallible position. When you have somebody who takes an infallible position, nothing they say can be wrong. They are essentially spiritual dictators. Brother Ram's not trying to go there. And he said prophets are not infallible people. Let me give you an example. Here's one. Brother Branham said about the evidence of the Holy Spirit. In 1955, he preached, bringing forth fruit, that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. 1957, he said, there's not one thing left in the Bible as evidence of the Holy Ghost, only the fruits of the Spirit. 1960, he said, I've always taught the evidence of the Holy Ghost is perfect love. You know why he taught that? You know why he said those things? Because that's what he knew. That's what he understood. But then he comes along in 1964 and he said, I said the most perfect evidence I can think of is love. And so we got to talking on that. And then I thought, that sounded pretty good. So I just held that if a man's got love. But one day the Lord in a vision straightened me out. And he said the evidence of the Spirit was those who could receive the word. Not love, not speaking in tongues, but it's receiving the word for your day. You know what God's doing? God's bringing them closer to the Bible truth and making, making sure he lands straight on that. Because you can impersonate love. You can impersonate gifts. You can impersonate feelings. You can impersonate uh, wind in the meeting and loud noises and everything else, emotion at the altar. You can impersonate all of that. But you can't impersonate a person staying with the word when they're up, when they're down, when they're in, when they're out, when times are good and times are not. Somebody's staying with the word. You know what we can say? They really got it. They really got it. Are we Okay. Now, I've got other examples of things like that, and I don't want to hold it up here uh, because uh, I just want to be sure uh, that we cover some of, these, uh, com- some of these things here, and I want to leave you with a word of advice. Okay? Brother Branham, also uh, in, in uh, this idea about prophets, Brother Branham did not claim authorship to everything that he said or preached from the message. He did not sit there and, be, and claim to be uh, some uh, depository of inspiration where uh, he said everything in, everything in his ministry was unique. He, he gleaned from this one, gleaned, gleaned from that one. I, if, sometime we ought to do it and just give you uh, statements where Brother Bram said, I read a book on this and I, I got a book on this. And, and he said, I listened to this man preach and I listened to Einstein and I listened to this minister and I listened to Oral Roberts and all these other things here. But you know what? None of them had a complete picture. And he said in the second paragraph, now picking up those loose ends, which was concealed, the ends of that, he said, which was concealed in the seven seals. Not the seven churches. The seven seals reveal the mysteries. So in other words, those, those messengers through the ages could not, because it was concealed, they could not see what he could see after the seals were opened. Because it was not shown in the ages of the seals, in the, in the reformers. It was not in their ministry to do that. But a prophet comes and takes loose ends of those things and pulls them together and gives a complete picture. He says this many times. At, and we go to the end here. At the sounding of the seven church age, the last church age 
all those loose ends that's brought through the church ages that's been probed at will be wound up together. Eternal security, serpent seed, uh, you know, predestination, all of those different things. He brings them all together. And he says predestination even becomes a hot topic to talk about. But he said, I think the book of Ephesians uh, puts it together best. And he says, Paul, he said, uh, writing to the saints who were predestinated from before the foundation of the world. So he goes back and starts teaching on the Lamb's Book of Life. And you know what he's doing? He's adding a piece in the puzzle that hasn't been there to make the picture complete. That's all. So he's not claiming to have originality in everything he said. We don't find that anywhere in the message. But I will tell you this, that the pieces that help pull it together, those are things that sometimes God came to him directly and spoke to him and said, this is what I want you to say. This is the piece that I need you to say. So there are all kinds of those. Now, we're running out of time, and I know it's Sunday night here. <clears throat> I want to I encourage you to do this, okay? And that is to stand fast. The winds are going to blow. That's why God gave you roots. Your roots are meant to go down in the ground and hold. Roots are for a number of different purposes, but one of them is to give the tree stability, to give the plant stability. Your job is to get your roots down deep as you can because the winds are going to blow. And therefore, you need to stand. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. In the same way that it was only a, a number of people went in the ark, there's a number of people ordained to believe this message in the last day. And I notice a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I believe that's true anyway. And God's ordained you for this age. God's ordained you for this bride hour that we're living in. God's ordained you to receive the message of Brother Branham, not the message of Paul. Right? I mean, we include Paul's teaching, obviously, but we weren't born in that age. God chose, chose, chose to birth you right now, and therefore he had a message prepared for you and put something in you to receive that message of this hour. Are we okay with that? Okay. That's, uh, that's not a cult. That is simply saying that God predestinated, and we're saying that because that's what the Bible says. Okay. But Jude says, I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For there are, because, you need to stand fast and put down roots, because... There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, and they are ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. Paul, uh, Judah is saying, hey, these people exist. These people exist to turn people away from the truth. <clears throat> but they fail that still small voice of the word. People fail because they fail, the still small, they fail to listen to the still small voice of the Word. And the Word keeps you balanced to the cross. The Word keeps you balanced to the cross. The closer you stay to the Word, the more you realize, you know what, all of this is possible because Jesus died for me and took His Spirit, tore Him in half, put the half of the spirit and put put the spirit down to the believing church and kept the the physical representation in heaven and now we have his spirit so that we can say i do that only which pleases the father that's where it lay brother bram said that's why we don't have genuine prophets in the church today like agabus Agabus was a minor, we call him a minor prophet. Uh, he was a prophet that was found in the book of Acts and made a prophecy to Paul that was, uh, was correct. He took off his belt and put it around Paul and he said, you know, the person is wearing this belt and made a prophecy and it came to pass. That should be more evident in the church when the church stays balanced to the cross. 
God allows that to happen. Uh, God should be able to allow to have, have that happen in the church at his, at his choosing, at his leading. And Brother Bram's saying, looking at the church today, that's why the church today, they hardly respect speaking in tongues. And somebody speaks because they heard so much bogus and carrying on. So you can swing the other side of things and disregard what God is actually doing out of a sense of disrespect uh, for the things that God is actually making known. Now, <clears throat> did Brother Branham get uh, controversies? Did Brother Branham have people to come and argue with him? Here's one example here. A little lady belonged to a certain church that was Christian Science. Tried to argue with me not long ago and knew everything. She knew everything scientifically. She knew everything this way, the horizontal way, like I said before. She, she had studied, read after Mary Ellen Smith and, uh, you know, that the, the books, that, uh, The Desire of Ages and all of that from the Christian science. And she said, Reverend Branham, do you mean to tell me that Jesus, he was divine? And I said, I know he was divine. And she said, he was just a man. And I said, well, he was more than a man. He was, uh, he was the, uh, the God man. And I said, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He was divine. And she said, no, he wasn't. He was a man. And I said, he was a divine man. (laughs) You know what? This is is like butting heads, right? And she said, it's impossible. And I can prove it to you by the scripture that he wasn't divine. Well, that got his attention. Because if she can prove something by scripture, he's going to listen, right? And I said, if you, uh, I should let him say it. If you can prove it by scripture, I will receive it. That's a good attitude, isn't it? That's a good attitude. And if I disprove your ideal, will you receive it? She said, I'll prove you first that you're wrong. And when he went down to the grave of Lazarus, he cried. And this is the woman now saying this. That showed that he wasn't nothing but a man because he had sorrow in his heart. He was a mortal. He cried. And I said, I'll agree with you that he cried like a man when he was going to the grave of Lazarus. But when he stood there in that little frail frame, straightened up and said, Lazarus, come forth. That was more than a mortal there. That was God speaking through his son. So you know what he's doing? He's going back to the scripture, right? When they contested Jesus, he said, search the scripture. Somebody, somebody argues with you, go back to the Bible. Let's go back to the Bible. Let's go back to the absolute here. Brother Bram is not afraid to do that. It's just like the Jehovah Witness that come to our door all the time. But they, they used to. They don't come anymore. I, I miss them. You know, I kind of, uh, hello. I mean, no one comes to our door hardly anymore. So, uh, you know, I got a ring app on my phone. Sometimes I just look at it to say, I wonder will someone come today? Anyway, they used to come to the door and I'd say to them, uh, look, uh, you know, you got, a, you got a, a book. I got a book. You got a doctrine. I got a doctrine. I'll take your book if you take mine. And they're, oh, well, uh, no. Uh, come on. I will take your book. I will read your book. I, I think that Jehovah Witness do say some interesting things. I do. I got a book in my library there. It's the emphatic diglot that Brother Branham referred to, and I have one in here. And there's some great insight in some of the Jehovah Witness writings, believe it or not. I don't, I don't you know, promote that, but... But I, I said, look, I will. I will take your book and I'll read it. I promise. I will. You know, Scout's Honor. I will do it. No, can't do it. They're afraid to touch the truth. Even when I'm giving them an out. You know, like I'll, you can go back to your company and say, hey, he took a book and he said he'd read it. That's what, that's what they're after. And wouldn't do it. Absolutely wouldn't do it. <clears throat> I'll tell you who God deals with. In the middle of the verse here, middle of the page, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit 
to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever. Who does God want to deal with? He wants to deal with people who have an open heart, an open spirit. And he wants to deal with people who are willing to sit down and listen. A lot of these people who have left the message, they've, they've, uh, they've focused on certain points that uh, are unprovable because they existed or happened before Google existed. And they're unprovable. Uh, you know, we were talking about the bridge. Peter and I were talking about the bridge many years ago and uh, how many people actually fell off the bridge. You know, and there's some different ideas about how many people actually fell off the bridge. Brother Bram said, I saw these men fall off the bridge. Back in the day, when they were like that, they actually calculated human loss as a part of building the bridge. Because you know what? People fell off bridges. And when they fell off bridges, there was no way really to retrieve them. So if they couldn't swim, guess what? We had to hire somebody else because old Joe went down. And that was a factor in the cost, losing people because they fell off the bridge. That was not an uncommon thing. Brother Branham saw that, and he describes that in that vision and so forth. And, and sometimes people who just, they leave the message and create a website and say, well, Brother Branham didn't know exactly how much. He was five or six, I think, when he saw the, the vision of the bridge. He was just a young boy, ran told his mother. But that's unprovable. Let, let me go on. Let me go on. And... and and jump in, and I'll, I'll finish in just a moment here. Brother Branham said, and this is in 1961, there were at least 15 to 20 people sitting right here in his own church that were guilty of thinking that I was Jesus Christ. How could they do that? And I was right on to them until I found out that God told me that that's a spirit. Those guys are governed by a spirit. They've taken in the spirit. Now watch what he says. And them men believe me every word. And I said, how do you believe me then if I tell you? If I tell you I'm not, why don't you believe that? Right? He's asking them that question. Then we got to the word, and then, then, then they began to see and said, well, sure, we don't believe you, or we'd have listened to what you said. But they actually thought they were right, sincerely. And one of those spirits gets on you. That's, that's got it. You'll absolutely believe it. You can hang around some of those people that are convinced certain ways. And I will tell you, it'll, it'll create a fear in your heart. It'll, it'll cause you to think the wrong way. You're better off in cutting a wide path. Because if it's the Spirit of God, it'll lead you back to the Bible. It won't lead you back to some, some crazy website with a bunch of misinformation. It won't lead you back to a Trinitarian church. It won't lead you to something that's contrary to the Word. It'll lead you back to the Bible. And those spirits will only cause fear. They'll only cause you to uh, be uh, nervous and upset about things. And all kinds of things will run through your mind. He says, you'll absolutely believe it. I don't care. Nobody can tell you different. No matter how much the Word says so, well, you just don't believe it anyhow. Just go on. No matter how much the Word says, no matter how much Brother Branham said, said things to them, and no matter how much he smacked at that thing, it still slid off into the water. It was still alive. Right? You know, if you've read the message there. And he says, people, don't, they don't believe it anyhow, they'll just go on. And if you want to be that way, you go ahead and I'll have it my own way. It's like the people who are out in the trailer park out in Prescott, Arizona. And, you know, they were all, they were all excited about doing what they thought was the right interpretation of Brother Branham's message. And Brother Branham said to one of those brothers, he said, it ain't working. And this brother said to Brother Branham, he said, but it is. Brother Branham said, it ain't going to work. And, of course, it didn't work. I've read the reports of the people who were in that trailer home and all of the things that went on there. 
And he said, no matter what you say to them, even Brother Branham sang to them. And they had created that kind of a commune in Arizona there for Brother Branham to be able to come. And he was treated like God when he went out there and so forth. And Brother Branham said, this is not it. This is not the way. When in the early church, when they got together and they made themselves a little commune, you know what God did? He broke it up and sent them out in different parts so they go into all the world and preach. This message is never meant for us to come together and be a cult. It's never meant for us to be a closed group here. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be witnesses of the light and the truth. We're supposed to go in our community and testify of, of the fact that God's alive. We're not a cult. We're not a part of that. We're not following Brother Branham, some dead person. I'll tell you, who, I'll tell you what. I'm following Jesus Christ. And he says, see, he says, you want to be that way? Go on ahead. He said, they said, I'll have my own way. And Brother Branham said, that shows that you're anointed with the wrong spirit. Nothing I say can turn them back to the Bible. And if nothing you say can turn them back to the Bible, you're dealing with a wrong spirit. And that's not going to lead anywhere good. And it's not going to be any kind of a good influence on you. <clears throat> Brother Branham even said this about his friends. I'm almost done. I just got one or two more slides. He said, Brother Jack Moore, very good friend of mine. Both, he, he, good friend of both Perry Green and I. He said, we love Brother Jack. Brother Branham went and preached there more than any other church that he went to individually. Preached many series there. Some of the great series uh, in time, including Invisible Union and Works as Faith Expressed and all of that. Uh, so, some of the great sermons Brother Brand preached were in Jack Moore's church. The message, I think, kind of baffled him a little, especially some of the things we hold dear and believe, that it came to us through the opening of the seals, like serpent seed and eternal security of the believers, some of those messages. We don't think this is hard, but you've got to open your heart to truth. Who does God deal with? A humble and a contrite spirit. What's he, what's, what's he actually saying here? If you've got a revelation of this, if you open your heart to God and God gives you a revelation, it's not hard. You know what? Because the scriptures begin to come together. But if you're trying to look at this intellectually, if you're trying to look at it this way, flat, trying to understand it this way, you're going to have trouble with it. And we believe that we're living in the end time, and that's just so real to us. You know why it's real to him? Because God's made it real to him. Why is it real to you? Because God makes it real to you. It's not because I'm a better preacher than someone else. God made, God's made it real to you. You're not staying here because of me. Goodness sakes. You need to have your heads examined if you're staying here because of me. We, let me say, we hold to the tree of life because God's made this so real to us. God has fivefold ministry and you know, allows people to be a part of a church and so forth and all that. That's God's order. But let me tell you something. We're, you, I hope you're not in this because of a Brother Barry cult or some sort of a following. That's, that's not why we're... That's goodness. That's a, everybody okay? That's not why we're here. We're here because God's made the word real to us in the last day. And you know what? The bride's, the bride's not going to be deceived. She's going to hear the word of God. That's absolutely true. Last, last screen. Brother Bram said, that's my message, has been all along as the Word of God. And we must hold to that regardless of what other things take place. Always stay with that Word. That's my last piece of advice to you. Always stay with that Word. In a couple of months, Brother Bram will be taken from the earth here. It's one of the last things that he says in the scope of his ministry. We must hold to that Word regardless of what other things take place. No matter what rises, no matter who comes against it, no matter what happens, no matter what Junior Jackson says, no matter what this one says, no matter what websites are, are brought out, 
it doesn't really matter. You know what? You know what's important for you to do. Here's my advice. It's not complicated. Always stay with that word. Always stay with that word. Always check out your motives and objectives if it is according to the word of God. If it isn't, leave it alone. But if it's with the word of God and lines up with the word of God, you hold on to that. You're not obligated to hold on to people's questions. You're not obligated to line up with people's doubts. You're not obligated to uh, follow every, every rabbit trail that people create because they feel like, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And, and I, I know more about the message than Brother Branham. I know more about what's true than Brother Branham. And I know more that's true about the message than God does. That's what we call a rabbit trail. That rabbit trail is going to run you into the ground. You're better off staying with the word. Stay solid. Do you realize how many things come by that pastors have to deal with that you don't know anything about? And a lot of it is because I don't, uh, it's not worth sharing. It's not worth passing along. And my job is to watch, be a watcher over the flock. But there's all kinds of ideas and doctrines and teachings out there and all kinds of things that people say and the, the movements that try to get started, you know, for one reason or another here. You know what I've found? The best advice, the best thing I've ever done, and the best thing I've ever done for you is to just stay with the word. I just come back to that word every time. I stay there. You know what? That's, what? that's what keeps us moving forward. That's what keeps us moving on. I may not understand. I may not even agree uh, with everything that takes place. I may not be able to explain everything. And sometimes these are dear friends. But I will tell you what. The best thing I've found to do is stay with the word. Just stay with the word. The last thing we're going to say is this. And our musicians can come. But let me say the last thing I'm going to say to you. The great thing about this message and the great thing about Brother Branham was that when I encountered this, it led me to Christ. It introduced me to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart. You know what? I feel like I'm still in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Brother Bram's not here. So I'm not in his hands. I'm not under his direct control. Is that okay? Brother Bram's not here sending out an email every week and saying, all right, now, you pastors, I want you to preach this and this. Brother Bram's not trying to control us. He, I, he, he has no jurisdiction over us. I believe I'm in the hands of the Holy Spirit. I believe I'm living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I hope you are too. And if you're in the, if you're in the hands of Christ, if you're, if you're under his leadership, you're going to be okay. Everything else, you know what, there's all kinds of things that happen on these other levels and all kinds of things that happen on the earth here. But you know what, if I'm, if I'm, under his, if I'm in his hand, if he's holding me like that sheep that he went after, you know, left the 99 and went after one and brought it back and put him over his shoulder so he'd have him on his shoulder, you know, closest to his heart. And, and if, if he's got me, you know what, I'm okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. I'm not waiting for Brother Bam to come back and pick me up and put me on his shoulder. I'm not waiting for some man to rise up with some message and some big church and, uh, you know, for all of us to go and gather with and all wear the t-shirts. and all. I'm not waiting for that at all. I'm in the hands of Christ. I'm in the presence of Christ. I'm a son of God. Not worried about what people say because you know what? I'm in the hands of Christ. I'm one of his. Let's stand to our feet. That's where you need to be. That's where every one of you need to be to have the assurance. And when you leave here, you say, I know I'm a child of God and I'm in his arms. And you know what? The devil can blow all he wants to. He can fight all he wants to. But I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And I've made my calling and election sure. And Lord, if you don't have that anchor cast, you should cast that anchor and say, Lord, let me hook that the end of that anchor into the solid rock. 
That's what I need to have. You can have it when you're young. You can have it when you're old. But everybody needs to have it because the winds are going to blow. Absolutely. The winds are going to blow. Let's sing tonight. I'll stand for Jesus. Jesus. And let the world go by. I'll stand.
your word that makes things so plain to us, Lord. We want to be like the Apostle Paul who stands in defense and confirmation of the gospel, Lord. And we don't always need to rely upon our words to prove the gospel is true. Lord, let our light shine. Help us, O oh God, to reflect Christ in our speech, in our life, Lord. And I, I ask, O oh God, that you would just make every one of us a flaming witness that no matter where life takes us, Lord, we will be a true representation of the kingdom on this earth. Father God, we, we believe that that's possible because you're alive. You're not dead. You're not lost in history somewhere, but you're alive. And Lord, you have raised up a people in this last day that you want to use. And no matter what people say and no matter how many controversies rage, we know your word is true. There's nothing false about it. And Lord, we're counting on your Holy Spirit quickening that word to us and making it real. We're counting, Lord, on your predestinated plan and counting on your love to us. So, Father, have your way, we pray now, in every heart and every soul. And, Lord, I I just commit the weak now into your hands. I pray, Lord, for those that are sick and need your touch, especially the folks who are hurting, Lord, and really need that touch that the great physician can give. All of our travels, ministry, Lord, our work, our school, our homes, oh God, may you be welcome and be present among us. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. And we'll give you thanks, glory, and honor in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. And amen. God bless you, saints. We're going to let you go. Pray for us this week, if you don't mind. Adore is in you.